As we resume our study today in Paul's second letter to Timothy, I want us to go back to chapter number 2, verse 22, which we've kind of already talked about this, but I want to, I really want to anchor us here in some of the comments before we move into this next section. Paul is in Rome. He's in prison. He knows that he will not get through this one. He's pretty sure of that. That'll be pretty obvious by the time we get to the end of the book. And so he is writing this to his protege, Timothy, who is the next generation that's going to take up the gospel and move forward with it as preachers, as teachers, as spiritual leaders in the church. And so he needs... He needs Timothy to be all in. He needs Timothy to be full of commitment to this task. And you can tell that by a lot of the things he's already written in the first part of the book. But now he he wants to give him some solid advice to help him in this pursuit. So he writes this, 1 Timothy 2, 22, so flee youthful passions. Uh, now, Timothy is probably in his later 30s, it would seem, uh, based on when he first has contact with Paul. Uh, and uh, people in their 30s are still, you know, full of that vigor of life and thinking about uh, themselves quite a bit and, and what their future holds. Uh, and sometimes it is on a very basic level of just following the flesh. Uh, so Paul tells him, don't go that route that people your same age might be doing right now. Instead, do this. Pursue righteousness. Righteousness is doing things God's way. That's the best way we can think about it. And faith Faith is, you know, the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It is the trust we have in what God's already revealed to us. So he needs to pursue those sorts of things. And love, agape, uh, the commitment to what's best for other people. And peace, uh, peace is that restoration of proper relationship between God and individuals. And so that's what he's supposed to be chasing after, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So he's not going to be alone in this. There are tons of others that will be there with him, calling upon the name of the Lord and being uh, of a pure heart so that they will see God right along with Timothy and Paul and the others. Now, here comes the advice. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. So information is very important when you're a preacher, when you're a teacher. And talking is also something you do a lot of, and you touch on some very touchy topics. And so Paul reminds him 
to stay away from the things that are not going to be beneficial. Don't get sucked into uh, the, the, the things that don't matter, that people seem to waste a lot of time about. Um, and definitely don't get all upset and out of sorts by these people that like to stir the pot. Because that's not what preachers need to be like. Verse 24, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. So all of us who are preachers, all of us who are in any type of spiritual leadership, as well as all Christians, really, we need to not be spoiling for a fight. We ought not to be out there looking for a way to jump on people with both feet and stomp them into the ground. No, this is what Timothy and the rest of us are supposed to be like. Be kind to everyone. Think about the other person. What is it that they need? Um, uh, The Lord's servant must also be able to teach. Teaching is passing on information from God intact to other people. That's what we should be focused on. Patiently enduring evil. Putting up with the garbage that other people kick back at us. Uh, We know not everybody is going to want to hear what we have to offer. And some of it will be quite mean and vicious in their response to it. We just got to let that flow off our backs like water off a duck's back. Okay, That's just the way it's going to have to be. We need to patiently put up with that nonsense, that garbage. Uh, Verse 25, correcting his opponents. So there does need to be some fixing of problems. Uh, But the word for correcting here is still related to the idea of teaching. Uh, It's child teaching. Uh, Correcting his opponents with gentleness. The old-fashioned word here is meekness, which you know is never weakness. Meekness is about control. It was used in the Greek language in certain documents about war horses because all of that power was under the control of the rider. So correcting his opponents with gentleness, with meekness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. That's what we have to keep in the back of our mind all the time. No matter how abusive the other person might be, how irritating they may be, every last one of us have to keep in mind, God wants them saved if they'll just let it happen. Because as Paul wrote to Timothy in that first letter, Um, This is 1 Timothy 2, 4, that he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so we need to have that same attitude and be patient like God is patient. And God is immensely patient uh, with the hopes of these folks coming to their senses. Uh, That's verse 26, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So they are POWs. 
uh, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not really. I mean, that's who we deal with. But our struggle is actually against the principalities and the powers, the, the evil forces of darkness out there. That's who we're really dealing with. And our goal is to try to help people get away from them and be deprogrammed uh, from all that bad teaching. And uh, you don't give up. You know, sometimes uh, I have to tell people, well, you know, Jesus says, don't cast your pearls before swine. And so I use that in the context of, you know, sometimes you're going to butt up against a brick wall with someone. Don't keep doing that. Pray for them and move on. And let God find somebody else that might be able to break through that wall because you're not getting it done. Uh, and as long as a person's breathing, there is still hope for them, and we should continue praying for them. So all of that, Paul directed toward Timothy, a preacher, uh, about his attitude uh, toward what he's supposed to be taking care of. Uh, then Paul just lets him know it is a hard road to hoe. Because things are going to just always be rough when it comes to trying to break through this false um, indoctrination by the satanic forces. Chapter 3, verse 1, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Now, the last days, in technical form stretches from the first coming of Jesus, you know, his birth, his growing up, his teaching, his, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, the establishment of the church. See, that's all part of the last days, the beginning of the final phase. Uh, they will wrap up with his second coming. You know, the final three and a half years, the day of the Lord, his second coming, and uh, all of that associated with him splitting the sky and coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. So this is a prophetic characterization of the type of people we're likely to run into that need help. Verse 2, for people will be lovers of self. So they're, they're self-absorbed. It's all about them. Lovers of money. It's literally lovers of silver because coins were made of silver typically and people wanted them. Uh, so we already know that too. People in our era, they're chasing after the almighty dollar. Proud. Uh, this word uh, has uh, the, the sense of of um, being all about themselves again in just a slightly different way. Um, they boast about they can do this or that or the other thing. And we know people like that too. Uh, they, again, are full of themselves, uh, arrogant, abusive. Um, not only do they promote themselves, they 
demote others. They talk down about other people. They throw accusations and slanders and lies around other people because many of these folks, uh, for some reason, have got it in their head that they will be lifted up higher if they knock other people down farther. And so these are the types of people that we Christians, and preachers in particular, uh, have to deal with to help them meet Jesus. And that is difficult. Um, They are disobedient to parents. And I'm always intrigued by this word disobedience um, because it has the idea of not being persuaded by. And so some of these people have grown up and they've thrown their parents' morals and teaching out the window. Does that sound familiar? You know, that, uh, that, that thing that we see where kids, as they grow up, trying to find their individuality, will often rebel against the key components of their parents' thinking and teaching. And so that's what he's talking about here. They are unpersuaded of the value of what their parents were teaching and promoting. And so they're out of there. They're done with that. They are ungrateful. Um, And it's actually ungracious. So they're just kind of rude sometimes. And unholy. Uh, That is, they're not devoted to the things that are sacred, the things that are God's things. Uh, Verse 3, they are heartless. Um, It's an interesting thing. Many of these words in the Greek language, they are a base word with the letter alpha on the front, which means not this. And so in this case, uh, the base word is about family love, caring about the people who are closest to you as you're growing up. And he says, but they're not. They're not caring about them. They don't care about their family. I think it goes a little bit with that disobedient parents thing. Uh, So they have no heart. Uh, They are unappeasable. You cannot make any type of deals with them. They won't concede to anything that you want. Uh, They won't come to middle ground. Uh, Slanderous. Uh, it's actually related to the, the word that we get devil from. Uh, the devil is a slanderer. He's always out there talking people down. So that's, that's here. Uh, that's the type of people we're talking about. Without self-control. Now, that doesn't surprise you at all, does it? They just let themselves go and do what they feel like. They are brutal uh, in the sense that uh, they are kind of wild, Uh, They don't have constraints on their lives. Uh, They're uh, like animals, uh, brute beasts. Does that sound familiar? We were talking about that when we were reading in in 2 Peter. Not loving good. So they're not about the good things. They're about their own things. Uh, They are treacherous. Uh, That is, they betray people, can't be trusted. They are reckless, 
So they, they just fall into things without really thinking ahead of time about it. Uh, they are swollen with, con- uh, with conceit. Uh, there's actually an idiom here about being wrapped up in smoke. They're kind of blowing smoke all the time uh, for their own purposes. Uh, they are lovers of pleasure. Uh, and it, the word that gets used here is the word for hedonism. They are lovers of whatever makes them feel good rather than lovers of God. So they're all about themselves, not about God. And then comes something really frustrating to me. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. So they have a little something about them. Uh, You know, maybe they say, well, I'm a religious person. All right. Or excuse me, I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not religious. Uh, Meaning I have this viewpoint that's kind of vague and and undefined, but it's supposed to represent me being good and thoughtful. Uh, but I am not I'm not tied down to the religious dogmas uh, because they don't believe in that stuff. They don't believe in creation. They don't believe in right and wrong. They don't believe, in atonement. They don't believe in the virgin birth or the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. They don't believe in the bodily resurrection. They don't believe in that stuff. They have the, the, the things that make them look good, but not the thing that really matters. I, I remember an article not too long ago and I was reading about people who they want, they kind of like some of the church stuff, you know, the, the beautiful stained glass windows, you know, giving that multicolored light into an auditorium. They even like maybe the incense burning for some of the ceremonies that people do. Maybe they might even like the chanting that occurs or the singing or the you know, the welcoming handshakes and hugs and things like that. But they don't like the doctrine. That's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, these folks, Timothy, that we have been charged by God to take the gospel to, some of them are of that bent, where they think they're okay the way they are. Paul says, avoid such people. Uh, It's not that they shouldn't be evangelized or corrected. It is, don't allow them to be part of your intimate circle. Verse 6, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Uh, Now, that last couple of lines there, that modifies the weak women. Now, don't get all bent out of shape, ladies. This This is kind of an enigmatic expression, silly women. And it has, in particular, a certain 
type of person that is living at home and uh, and is open to being tricked by con men because of the lifestyle that they're living. Um, it's, I suppose, in a way, it'd almost be roughly equivalent to the way people talk about a cat lady, okay? Uh, which, since my wife and I are cat people, we take a little bit of exception to that one. But that's the thrust of it. Uh, these are the types of con people that try to take advantage of folks like that. Uh, and it's all for themselves. Uh, they are the hucksters on the radio and on the television that uh, steal by manipulation your grandparents' Social Security checks uh, by getting them to send donations, okay? Uh, those folks, unless they repent, are going to face a lot of judgment from God. Uh, verse 7, Paul says, They are always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. So they're always looking for a new way to do things, but they never really get to the thing that they really need to know, which is a proper relationship with the creator God of the universe through the savior God of the universe. Verse number eight, um, Paul delves into a little traditional Judaism that is outside the framework of inspired scripture. He says, just as Yanis and Yambres opposed Moses... Now, these two men's names may have come down through the generations of Israeli oral tradition. But the, the people that are in mind here are at least two of the unknown number of Pharaoh advisors that Moses and Aaron had to deal with. You know, remember the guys that were actually able to turn their sticks into serpents, but then Moses and Aaron's serpent sticks swallowed them up. Uh, they were able to make a little water turn into blood. They were able to do a few of the other early plagues, but then eventually they couldn't do anything. And they had to say, this is the finger of God. That's the guys we're talking about. So they are historical figures whose names are only known to us through Jewish tradition. So he says, just as Yanis and Yambres opposed Moses. So you see the concept here of religion, excuse me, spiritual, spiritualism without the religion that is sincere and grounded in the truth. Uh, just as these guys oppose Moses, so these men, these false teachers, also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. So they have no business being out there teaching anyone about anything that is 
serious about God. Verse number nine, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Uh, Some of these false teachers and things, they might make a little headway for a while, just like Giannis and Ambris were able to make their sticks into snakes and make the water turn bloody and a couple of other things. But sooner or later, God's real power is going to outstrip them. And then people will have a better understanding of just how fake and fraudulent these false guys are. Um, And hopefully, and this is what we should be praying for, this is what we preachers should be working for, we would hope that the true preaching and teaching will come into those people's lives at just that moment and help them come out of the darkness and into the light. Now, we're about out of time. We've got a couple of minutes left. Uh, But Paul is now ready to contrast all of those false teachers and their false learning with Timothy and his true learning from the true words of God. Verse 10, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. So many of the qualities that he's been advising Timothy to have in his life, uh, Timothy actually saw them modeled by the Apostle Paul as he traveled with him. But he also saw the negative things, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. Now, that's Timothy's stomping grounds. That's where he grew up. That was his region. Uh, Which persecutions I endured, yet from all of them, the Lord rescued me. So Paul says, you've seen me model the righteous, the righteous, um, components of a Christian life. You've also seen me model how you deal with persecution. And Timothy, everybody, every Christian needs to be ready to deal with that. Indeed, he says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So let's not fake ourselves out. Let's realize things will be tough. That's just par for the course. But the Word of God is there to help us get through.